Hello and welcome to Place by Mahmood. And our today's guest is Shiki Pakter. Sorry if I pronounce her name incorrectly. And she has traveled to various countries and she has a lot of connecting stories to, to share with us. Uh, so for our listeners who are unfam- like unfamiliar with you, can you share, tell us a bit more about you? Sure. So um, just so, so everyone can hear, hear the name, um, it's Shiggy Pachter. Um, and it's, it's not a usual name, um, which kind of helps with this part of, of just an introduction. Um, I am Kenyan by birth, but Dutch by nationality, um, which is the two halves of my name. Um, I grew up in Kenya up until the age of 15, and I've lived in the UK ever since then, um, from the age of 15 to now. So it's a, it's a long chunk of time. Um, my background uh, growing up, I'm very hyperactive. I played a lot of sports, a lot of martial arts as a kid. Um, and even when my parents sent me over to the UK uh, for boarding school, I still carried on with martial arts and, and sports. Um, very musically inclined as well. I've played uh, at least 10 musical instruments that come to mind right now. Probably there's more from the age of six and then other instruments at varying times as I grew up. And um, all of that's kind of accumulated to an interesting existence in the UK. Uh, so I studied at uh, a university, um, one of the I'm not really keen on the the word prestige, like a prestigious university. It's not like Oxford or Cambridge. Um, I was at Brunel University, which tends to be somewhat celebrated in the world of engineering. Um, you know, if you've got a specific target of uh, universities and their subjects. And I studied sound engineering there, um, but uh, became a sound engineer rather than, you know, kind of finish the, the degree. So I tried three different degrees across two different universities and didn't finish any of them because I, I lost interest in them, um, which is interesting. And from there, I worked through a various kind of spectrum of jobs, uh, ended up liking event management quite a lot, um, which involves security. So physical security as opposed to IT security. Um, and that kind of uh, reached a peak when I became a manager at the London 2012 Olympics. Um, so, you know, the, tw- the Olympics, like the Olympics are, are quite a big thing, you know, for people to watch around the world. Uh, and people don't really appreciate or see that there's a lot of, a lot of work that happens behind the scenes. And uh, even to the point where in my section of the park, like not even the whole park, just my tiny little section, over a 16 hour shift, we were expecting at least 250,000 people to come through that section on its own. Um, and I, along with um, a team of about 12 to 15 other managers, we were all managing this kind of space. So going from dropping out of university, still being a sound engineer, working in security and kind of reaching a managerial point at the Olympics is one of my kind of um, highlights, life highlights, I suppose. Um, and from that, I worked in a few startups as well in varying roles um, for various industries. Um, my passions kind of ended up becoming job uh, ideas as well. So I love bouldering. I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, I'm a DJ as well. Um, and from DJing, I actually DJ semi-professionally. And um, with the startups, all the experiences from those businesses that for whatever reason, either the financing failed or um, 
business characters uh, kind of didn't work very well, <laughs> which is a very common thing in startups where people's characters don't really um, work well, especially when you're founding partners. Um, so from that, in the, over the last two years, I've been uh, starting my own business again um, as a sound engineer. So the sound engineer skill I had at university, I created into a uh, business, which is Audiofy. So um, Audiofy is an audio content production house, uh, basically covering creating, editing and producing audiobooks, uh, podcasts, um, any kind of audio real estate, which I like to call uh, for corporate businesses. Um, you know, if they want to make their website searchable um, through audio, which is a, a very, it's not popular yet. It is happening. People are realizing the importance of it. Um, and we also are currently experimenting a lot in the voice AI area of the world. Um, you know, things like Clubhouse and all this uh, social audio networks are kind of coming up. Um, so we're really exploring all of that and just looking at how much leverage and longevity, sorry, that's my elbow, <laughs> uh, just how much distance that, that there is in voice AI and audio, um, you know, social audio media, which is an interesting concept. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a very kind of quick squished, um, overview of, of, I suppose my professional life and my geographical life. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And like, it really is like your life is quite diverse as well as like, very interesting for me, a lot of people, including me. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, like. As you mentioned in the last, uh, like, how big do you think like audio is gonna be? Like, let's say in twenty thirty. Yeah. So, so we're in we're in twenty twenty one now. So, like, nine years time. Um, there's no doubt in my mind that um, audio is gonna have a far more. I, I would never say central because you know we are very visual creatures, right? So, as much as we love our ears, our eyes kind of tend to take more precedence. Um, than, than our ears, but uh, especially with the pandemic that's, you know, kind of happened, happening for some areas in the world. Um, a lot of people who do work in the world of tech or use phones and screens, a lot of the time, you know, I don't know about you, but I've been in lockdown in the UK and I actually get screen fatigue now, you know, because just staring at a screen for, as a sound engineer, I could easily look at a screen for 16 hours in a 24 hour period, which is a lot of time. <laughs> you just don't realize it happens until your eyes get really sticky and you're just like, I can't look at the screen. Um, and then you start putting eye drops in just to keep on going. But my ears are just like, yeah, no, we can carry on. Um, so I think, you know, we've, we've got smart speakers, right? That are, that are out there. So um, I have one in the corner of my room. I'm not gonna say her name, um, but it's the female version of Alex. <laughs> okay, cool. She didn't. She didn't. She didn't reply to that. Right. So if you just miss the A, and she's good. Like, okay, because she's super sensitive. Like, in in the past, I just like say, oh yeah, so I've got a Alex, and then she just kind of goes, yes, how can I help you? I'm like, Shh, no, I'm not talking to you. Um, but I, I I think yeah, you know, smart speakers are kind of um, they're 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 on the up month, uh, year by year. Like people are using them more and more. Um, in our phones, they're embedded. So, you know, we've got, I don't know if my laptop, see now now I'm scared of saying names because I have all of these things at home. So we've got Siri, 
Okay, good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you've got like, you've got Google and, you know, you've got, uh, I think, what's the Microsoft one that everyone forgets about? Cortina, I think, is the Microsoft one. Yeah. Cortina, Cortina. Yeah. And then uh, I have a Samsung. I should know this one. Bixby. All right. So those are all the the uh, voice assistants that exist now, right? Um, and they're all, I think um, Google's probably the most comprehensive one just because the search engine <laughs> that sits behind it is so dense. Like, you know, a lot, a lot can kind of come out of that. Um, I think the Amazon speaker is um, the second probably most comprehensive one because there's things called um, skill sets. I'm going to call them Alex skill sets because if I say her whole name, she'll start going crazy. So, <laughs> so this is interesting, right? Just just as from a from a um, uh, a psychological point of view, I'm already being trained by technology. I just want people to observe what's happening. As someone who's kind of trying to understand voice AI, I'm already being trained, like how to you know not. Um, I don't want to say upset them, but you know, not to trigger them. It's like, you know, if you have a child and you don't want to say the word chocolate because they'll go crazy. Like, oh my God, I don't want the chocolate. Same thing. Um, but I believe in nine years, definitely there's going to be a foundation of audio um, that people will, will start to take for granted. You know, there, there's people, there's children now who are what, maybe five years old who are learning to speak. And if there's smart speakers in their homes, they are going to learn the narrative of how to interact with a smart speaker, All right? And then from five years old to, to 14 years old, you know, by the time that becomes normal, they're just gonna just, you know, you ask them a question they don't know, they're just gonna ask their phone or they're just gonna ask their speaker at home. You know, what's two times two or what's this or how's the weather or should, should I take my umbrella outside? And the thing will be yes, no, four, Go, go collect your laundry, you know, um, it's going to be mad. So I, I think it's going to, older generations are going to be a little bit fearful of it. Younger generations are just going to think, yeah, this is normal. Yeah, like change is fearful, like for everyone. <laughs> for Yeah, because uh, let's say for like the previous generation from ours. So they were fearful of the things that are available now or which are like common now. So like the yeah. new things for the next generations or less will be fearful for us. Like what will happen with this? Like, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you think, but like, you know, having having a phone, right? A smartphone that kind of just tells you all sorts of things. You, you look back, we're in 2021, even 2010, right? The concept of the things that we have now in 2010, like, the comparison is is night and day and then you look at 2000 so 2000 to 2020 you know some people weren't even born <laughs> that's a span of time like adults full-grown adults you know who are who are now 20 they were only born in in 2001 <laughs> so the beginning of the 2000s you're like yeah we had flip phones and like the first iphone only came out in 2008 yeah, 2007, 2008. So the first smartphone only came out in 2008. And, you know, now we're, we've got smart earbuds that are truly wireless that have no wires. And it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> like, uh, I can just visualize like what 
like what would be the reaction of the people who are two generations behind us <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know um i i have a friend like because because of the rock climbing i have a very broad um friendship space so rock climbing and brazilian jiu-jitsu so martial arts and sports from that space i have a, a very kind of broad spectrum of of um people i interact with so you know people who are 16 who go rock climbing and people who are 16 who do brazilian jiu-jitsu and literally just strangle me because they're way quicker than i am um you know i'll talk about things from the mid 90s because when i like when i was your age which is horrible i can't believe i can say that but like i can go when i was your age you know um what we had this like we we watched this movie this movie came out right so i was watching demolition man with wesley snipes and and sylvester stallone which came out i think in 1993 and i posted um a still image of it on one of my instagram accounts and one of the people i climbed with are just like what movie is that and i'm just like demolition man he's like oh, i've never seen it i have to check it out and it's like no what oh my god no, like it's a it's a classic, right? It's a B movie classic, like you know, especially Wesley Snipes. This was just before he became Blade, and it was like Blade. Oh yeah, yeah, I, I heard about that, and it's just it's that's just movies. So you know, like you say, twenty years from now, people, I don't know, we look at stuff like the iPhone will be something in a in a museum as a vintage thing. <laughs> I actually think it is. I think I think I went to a museum, and the, and the first iPhone was in the technology section as a like, you know, uh, technological firsts. So you had like the flip phone and then you had like a Sony Ericsson and then you had like a, a, a Palm Pilot, right? You know, which was one of those flip open huge brick things and you'd like have to type on it. And then there was like a, uh, a Blackberry phone as well. Cause that was like the first business phone. And then there was an iPhone and you're just like, wow. So yeah, when everyone's got Neuralink in their head and they don't even need phones in 20 years time, um, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, like like the most scariest part is for us is like having a Neuralink in our head. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a very big thing and it's quite possible, right? Yep, it is. It really is. Um, I mean, you know, Elon Musk is, is doing Elon Musk things. <laughs> <laughs> and um, for sure, like, the Neuralink idea that the, you know, connecting the internet to your head isn't an alien idea. Again, I'm, you know, referring to the nineties because a lot of things that come out now in technology, they have actually existed in science fiction in one way or another in the past, you know? So a lot of things that we have now, I love Star Trek um, and Star Trek, the next generation came out in the nineties. Um, and they had a lot of things like, you know, the, the kind of, the way the iPhone works, you know, with, with a, a touch screen and stuff, they had that then. And then almost the kind of, almost a replication of that starts kind of coming out as an iPhone. So with the Neuralink idea, um, I know I'm referring to really old movies and they're B movies just cause I'm, I'm a geek and I love them. There was a movie in 1991 or maybe 1989 called Lo uh, Lawnmower Man. And Lawnmower Man basically is a film about the internet like before the, just as the internet started, <laughs> they made a movie about like this guy, he gets obsessed with the internet and he's on this big like body moving gyroscopic thing. So like he has to swing around at very high speed 
to mentally connect to the internet. So that's that's the kind of premise of the movie. But by the end of it, I'm going to spoil it just because you know people forget about this. He eventually becomes the internet. So he leaves his physical body and his brain, his soul, or you know whatever concept you want to use, is now in the internet. And the only way you know he's on the internet is because all the phones ring. Because at the time, the internet was through phone modems, right? <laughs> it wasn't like a, a smart box or anything or an ethernet connection. Like you literally had to have a phone line. So that's what they did. And now we're looking at Neuralink and I'm just like, this is the same. And they were talking about this in the eighties. So, yeah. Yeah, like, uh, like as that was a thing. So people are already, already predicting what's gonna happen like through movies. Mm -hmm. So as like, let's say, I'm not gonna say Simpsons, like that predicted a lot of, a lot of things, uh, but other than that, so, uh, like people are always on like prediction mode. Like they are predict this is gonna happen, this is gonna happen, and a lot, of, a lot of it comes true. Cause uh, let's say the, the concept of flying cars, which is still on the working process, mm. I guess in China, and right now, yeah. So this idea came in, I guess, in nineties, nineteen. I don't know what, which year, maybe seventies or something. But 20s. like. 20s. Oh my god. Yeah. So again, film reference, um, some sci-fi. So basically the 1930s when um, there's a specific art movement that kind of uh, was going around. Um, there's a movie called Metropolis, which has a lot of science fiction kind of robots and stuff in it. Um, hang on. Alexa, when did the movie Metropolis come out? No, that's that's the that's the new one. So, see again, I've been so conditioned. I just outsource questions. Um, but no, the the Metropolis that that she's looking at is two thousand and one. But there's a original one that came out, I think, in the nineteen thirties, which had the concept of flying cars and robots in it. <laughs> yeah, so it took a hundred years to actually come into in a good form, because like it's exactly. quite clear, and it like it will take more. I guess I'm not sure how many years it, it will take to implement it. Mm. But this is gonna happen. Like the robots are gonna come, the cars are gonna come. And it's quite obvious because like like it's, people are spending billions of dollars every single year. Like more way more than that, just to doing research on this specific topic, robots and cars. Exactly. Well, Elon Musk is already so he's got um his his Tesla company, right? He's already looking towards and so is Uber. Um, and I think I think they're trialing it already in in um, America, is uh, driverless cars. So you know I think the Tesla the trucks because the truck business out there you know a lot of deaths happen due to uh, truck drivers getting tired. They're trying to do more miles in like squeezing them into the hours that they should be sleeping, you know, just to kind of get paid better. Um, so rather than have increased deaths, you know, they're just like, well, let's just see if we can automate trucks. <laughs> so no humans behind this, however many tonned vehicle, just driving through main roads around the world. Um, that's, that's, that's the step. That's the next step is just like, how do we get rid of humans from these vehicles? And then maybe like, you know, not having humans by this, by inside these vehicles. Now they can look at levitation. Um, I reckon they might start 
if if they go this way, they might start expanding towards things like a, like the monorail in things Japan. So they have the magnetic um, train, all right. So which like the train is just suspended, like you have you know this this back this metal kind of like track, and then um, the train is just suspended on top of it. And I think they reverse the polarity, so you've got the north south going in an opposite direction that forces the vehicle to move in one direction, and it goes ridiculous speeds. Um, so yeah. If they put that on the road without humans driving it, then you basically have levitating cars. It's not true levitating cars, but they're not touching the floor. So, <laughs> <laughs>、uh, yeah, it's some somewhat levitating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this will actually like、uh, for building this infrastructure in a lot of countries. This will take a bit time,、uh, mm. but. This idea, like、uh, the cars, will be will come way before then all the inter- infrastructure is built. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they definitely will. Yeah, here. So one thing that is said, like、uh, you change carry, like you actually studied in three different universities. So like、mm-hmm. you studied in three different universities in three topics. So、yeah. I I studied across、um, so I studied three different topics across two different universities. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm sorry if I misunderstood. Anyway,、uh, it's okay. Yeah.、Uh, so what were the topics like? Um. So so the first one, um, from college to university, uh, you know, having to do my A levels and stuff, was creative music and technology. Um, and I didn't realize it was more creative music than the technology because I studied music technology at A levels and I enjoyed it. I'm like, oh well, maybe I should carry on doing this at、um, university. So that was the first one I did. But then I became、um, a sound engineer at、uh, the university's、uh, nightclub, basically.、Um, and I'm like, well, I can do more from this job. I have more access to the university as a sound engineer working as a sound engineer than I do on this、um, course because it's more music than it is technology. Like the course itself wasn't even in the engineering department; it was in the music department, and I was just like, "This doesn't make any sense." And they had in the engineering department because、um, I had I made friends with other people in other other subjects. And they're like, oh god, we've we've got this amazing studio, this music sound studio, like in the engineering department, and they've got this new chamber,、uh, they've got an anechoic chamber. Do you want to go check it out? And I'm just like, why do you, a mechanical engineer, have access to a sound studio when me, a sound engineer, doesn't have a sound studio? Like. These are not making sense,、um, and it was crazy. And I even asked the director of my course. I'm just like, why? Why is there no funding for this? And you know, I know it's engineering. I know it's an engineering university, so all the money is obviously going to go there. But why do they need a sound studio? And why is our subject not in the engineering department? And they're like, well, you're doing a bachelor of arts, which is music. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I left. Basic. That was it. Like I'm like, I want access to the studio. So I moved on to another subject, which was.、Um, Multimedia technology and design. So basically, that covers graphic design, web design, music, <laughs>、um, but in a more technical kind of way, which was really weird.、Um, and、uh, yeah, a little bit of computer science. So it's kind of a, a broad、um, media degree, and it was a bachelor of science as well. And because 
it was technically kind of a weirdly engineering thing. I moved to the engineering department, so I had access to the sound studio. <laughs> and that's all I wanted. I just, I just wanted access to that. Um, but I was still working as a sound engineer. And that degree was okay. I mean, I wasn't particularly kind of moved by it. Um, but then I worked at a company called Yellow Pages um, in, it was a four-year degree. So in the third year, that's when I went and worked at Yellow Pages. And for people who are not old enough to know what or who Yellow Pages are, um, once upon a time, there used to be things called phone books, which were huge. Like literally sometimes if you were too short to get something, you'd go find the phone book in the house, go put it on the floor, and it would be a step. Right? You could step up onto to, to something else. That's how big and thick these things were. And at a time um, in these phone books, you would have little sections for companies where they would advertise their services and have little graphics on them. Like they wouldn't be complicated. You know, you'd have your plumbers or your um, gardeners or, you know, whoever, like doctors, dentistries and, you know, bakeries, whatever. So my job was um, as a graphic designer there. And that's what I did. I created those little graphics for those businesses. That was a job. Um, but it would vary in size from like little to, you know, the whole page would be just one business if they paid enough money for it. And I hated that job. Absolutely hated it. Um, and I quit the degree at the same time. I'm just like, I'm done. I, I don't want any of this. All of this is rubbish. Just like, I don't know what I want to do at university. So I don't see why I have to, I'm paying money to be in a thing that I really have no interest in. So I took a break for a few months. And then for whatever reason, I went to um, Westminster. So the University of Westminster um, to study architecture just because <laughs> out of nowhere, I decided I'm gonna study architecture because I, I like architecture, I like buildings, buildings are fun. Um, and I actually really enjoyed uh, architecture, but uh, it's, a, it's a very classic subject, if that, or a very traditional subject, right? So, you know, if you think of things that people have to go to university for, architecture is one of them. Like you can't become an architect out of university. You have to go get your level one, your level two, do your professional three, level three exam, right? And then you're part of an architect firm. It's like lawyers. You, you can't, you know, go just find someone who's a lawyer that studied it on Wikipedia. Like that, that's dangerous, right? Doctors, you wouldn't let a doctor, you know, do anything to you unless they've gone to university. And I think, you know, the medical takes 12 years, I think, to become, you know, a doctor, a, fu a fully licensed doctor. Um, and yeah, so, so all of these classic things in architecture, to become an architect is one of them. I had two years there, really enjoyed it, but then realized I actually like myself <laughs> and didn't want to spend seven years just to become a junior architect. And then, um, unfortunately, you know, in the UK, I haven't really seen any prolific um, black architects uh, because, you know, there, there is still, I wouldn't, I don't want to call it racism, even though it is a little bit of racism, but it's more a case of um, uh, systematic prejudice is a phrase I'd prefer to use, where, you know, you have circles of people and they are like-minded and like-looking kind of people who just like that. They, they like what they're familiar with. And, you know, if, if I came in going, hey, I'm an architect, they're just like, yes, no. <laughs> we, we're, we're not going to let you kind of grow and flourish into, you know, a, a top level 
architect, you're going to struggle because you're female and you're black. So, you know, no, that's not a thing, which is an unfortunate thing to think about. But then I just, I was just like, no, I, I can, I can move elsewhere. So I did two years of architecture. I enjoyed it. But then at the same time, I just realized the, the projection, you know, cause, cause it is good to kind of look forwards and look ahead and, and, um, see yourself in the future. Um, the projection wasn't right. So I thought, again, why am I wasting money on something that I'm not into? Um, and that's when I quit. And I just thought university right now is not for me. Um, so I'm going to go do other things. Okay, like that's, that's like very courageous for you because um, many people will just do anything to just complete the degree and have no idea what to do next. Exactly. I do think um, the, the, the education system that we have and the education structure that seems to be a, a, a global thing. You know, you're born, you do kindergarten, you do primary school, you do secondary school, you do college. Some people kind of drop out of college and then do whatever they need to do. Some people don't even get that far, actually. Um, but those who do reach the level of university, it's like you're 18 years old. You've had a, a, a childhood where people are just holding on to you and, and saying, no, 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 don't go out and do things like we're going to protect you and just, just do as you're told. And all of a sudden, everything that's a 180 at 18 is like, okay, off you go. And you're just like, <laughs> but, 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 but we, we haven't discussed this and you're just, you're telling me to go be an adult and I'm like, we, we, you haven't prepared me for this. And it's just like, yeah, yeah, that's what university is for. That is not what university is for. People mistake, make mistakes at university because they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> and they're doing a degree that they're like, oh, well, I was good at it at school. So maybe I'll be good at it at university. It's like, but is that what you want to do with your life? No, I, I don't know. No one's, I haven't practiced this. So I was just like, okay, cool. Just do a degree that you hate and you will never use. But who am I to, you know? challenge that so yeah it's questionable yeah like that's the common like the most common phenomenon that's happening right now and but a lot of people are like speaking about about this right now because we need to change this like as mm -hmm. uh, yeah as like that people are as people are progressing against other things in the society uh, they're pro like not in, in like not directly protesting but standing against this that this is not right that yeah. uh, we are just 18 and we're just out of high school and you have to just decide what to do in life. Yeah, yeah, it, it's not right. Um, it's kind of nice, again, with, with, the, with the connectivity of technology, you know, like us talking on Zoom right now, you know, and that slowly but surely becoming more and more available around the world. It, it's breaking traditional um, lines of education. You know, there, there are still some places like in Kenya, um, we're now kind of slowly but surely like there's space and bit, uh, abilities for people to do what they like, you know, because once upon a time, it would be a case of if your parents have enough money to send you to school, then you need to go into a job that will bring money back to the family. You know, that that was and I still think in many, many places that are not in the Western kind of culture of things or, or financially uh, fluid that is still very much the way the education system exists, right? It's just like, if one of the family can be put out to get an education, then that means they can bring money back through a, you know, a line of work that does bring money back. So that's why, I, I don't know about you, but like African parents are just like, you know, you become a lawyer, you become a doctor, um, 
I'm I'm pretty sure those are the only options you have. Like or or yeah, an accountant, right? So it's like it's like uh finance, um, law or medicine, right? Like those are the those are the big three that they're interested in because they know those bring a lot of money back home, right? Um I I had pressures to that, but I think me saying, Oh yeah, ar architecture looks interesting. They're like, Oh, architects get money as well, and, and they left me alone, but still it's just it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for like, I'm in Bangladesh right now. So like for me here, uh, this is like not at that, that bad. So um, like for people in Bangladesh, there are basically two things. One, you know, like there, there are three options as well. So uh, one, you became a doctor. One, you became an engineer. Or three, you get kicked out. Yeah, that's easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i forgot i forgot that option that that is the other option you get kicked out because <laughs> oh that's amazing yeah that's like that's a, a, a bit mental pressure but that's okay <laughs> it, it is and um you know and it it's it's understandable but it's also kind of unfortunate that those are the restrictions you know but I'm hopeful that, you know, over time as the Western world opens up the technology and, and in the wake of it, other places kind of have the ability to pick up technology and, and join in, you know, just people having, having electricity, <laughs> having electricity, having a good connection, you know, an internet connection, and then having um, a piece of technology that affords them the connectivity to the rest of the world. You know, like I'm pretty sure there's people out there. Actually, I know there's people out there who are running micro businesses just off a smartphone. You know, and, and that's when secondhand smartphones, so it's like you know maybe iPhone fours or whatever that are still running. You know, they, they get sent to other places. People use these phones because they still have some kind of um, technological viability within the infrastructure of those spaces. And if they can connect to the internet, they can I don't know connect to uh, Etsy, which is a shopping market for people who create independent stuff, or eBay, or, or whatever. You know, if, if they can sell things, or at least kind of do a commerce type of thing in the e-commerce space, I think that's probably the biggest connecting factor for places that aren't quite on the technological side yet. Um, the most accessible, I think, because if people are just like, I'm an artist, you know, like in the middle of nowhere, people are going to be like, Go do some farming. Like your art isn't bringing food in right now. Like nobody cares that you're creating these amazing pieces out of like you know I don't know whatever just soil and and different kind of grass stains. Like it for me that would be amazing. I'd be like oh my god that's amazing. But the amount of work that person would need to do to be seen enough as an artist versus you know selling products or whatever is still not. Um, I could be completely wrong, but it's still not quite um, an option for spaces yet. Yeah. So I guess like it's not fair for them because everyone doesn't have equal opportunities because for different parts of the world. Because one yeah. part, like on one side, I am not saying Kenya, but in Bangladesh, like like there are a lot of restrictions in terms of being creative mm. and. Like you have to like, if you're in a, in a lucky family where it's okay, then it's 
you can do it. But other than that, like it's very hard to like go beyond that. So like exactly. my yeah, my grandfather like I once said to my grandfather that um I want to study psychology. So like you were discussing, yeah, like that's what I said. And he was like, No, we don't. <laughs> Why do you want to study psychology? Like <laughs> like who should say that? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's not about tough. It's like, why? What subject is? Is this even a sub subject? No, like for him, it's like it's not even a subject. Like, you need to study engineering. You learn how to is like how computer computer works. And I mean, like, like for him, he's like around eighty now. So for him, uh, this is like, like learning computer is same as like learning engineering. So, and uh, he says like this. So he says, like you have learning engineering. That's what's working right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's a cool perspective, you know. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what? How do you describe like, um, like what's the perception about uh, education and learning? Like, what's right education and learning for you? Um. So education and learning are two different things. And I'm glad that you say education and learning as opposed to education and or learning because they are not interchangeable. <laughs> um, with education, I always, I always look at education as um, creating foundation for people to kind of learn from, right? So, you know, as let, let's take the, the, the progression of, of classic education, right? So from from the age of birth to, to about 15 or so, right? We're in very regimented spaces that um, have been designed to give us a very broad understanding of how the world works, right? So we can look at it from the school system, but I don't want to look at it from the school system, just like as existing as a human being, you know, your environment and the people around you um, give you the opportunity to, to be educated. So when someone tells you something and tells you this is the way it works, like you're being educated in the way the society you exist in functions, right? So that, that's your education where you're told like, you know, just, just to really, to kind of really explain this, you're told you have to wear clothes. Okay. You have to wear shoes. <laughs> you have to brush your teeth at least once a day, if not twice a day. Okay. Um, so you know what I'm saying, right? The, these very kind of like, they're, they're, they're almost rules, right? They're, they're like agreed rules that everyone around each other just agrees that's what happens. And when you're a baby and you're born, you are given these rules. Like we, we put those on the child, because if a kid just was raised on their own, right, they would have instinctive ideas, but the kind of those things they wouldn't know. You'd have people just walking around naked because they're just like, eh, this, this is, this is, this is, this is, what, what are those? Those look horrible. I don't understand. Like, this is nice. Why are you doing that? So, you know, you have to, like, you get conditioned, right? So that's education. And then learning is, is, you know, kind of having things that aren't necessarily like the foundational kind of um, representation of what you need to live, learning kind of adds on top of that. So that's when you start kind of building a house 
And when you build the house of learning, you can either build it as the way people tell you how to build a house. So you do have your four walls and then you have a roof and then the learning can kind of get a little bit more detailed. Right. So, you know, again, with school education versus family education, um, you get told you have to wear clothes, but I don't like wearing dresses. I like wearing trousers. You can't wear trousers because that's what boys wear. Why? Like, I want to wear trousers. Why, why are they only for boys? Boys have two legs and I have two legs. So what makes them more different and more special than me? So, you know, that's where learning comes into play because, you know, you understand the foundation of clothes, but now there's this kind of um, this detail that now separates into left and right. But then, you know, you get the conditioning and then you see a guy in, in a skirt and you're just like, boys aren't allowed to wear skirts. It's like, why do you say that? Oh, because I got told. What if you accepted that they could wear skirts? Then you're like, I don't know if I'm happy with that. So like, that's the learning, right? So learning can change. Learning can kind of evolve depending on where you are, the space you're in. Um, and again, the uh, societal influ influences, you know? So um, if I spoke Swahili in the heart of um, America, like, you know, just, I don't know, some place that's super conservative that are completely fearful of anything that is not like them, right? <laughs> I'm trying to be politically correct here without kind of insulting anybody, but you go somewhere where your language is not understood and is almost feared, right? And you go in and you just start speaking, right? Your native tongue and people are looking at you like, what are you doing? What, what even are you, who are you? Like speak our language or go away. Right. You know, so those kind of things. And then, and then I'm sat here going, oh, okay, there's a problem here because I don't know what you're saying and you don't know what I'm saying, you know, so either because I'm the minority, I'll just be like, okay, let me learn your language because I'm in your space. Not the other way around, but like, oh, you're foreign. Let's, let's, let's learn your language. No. Um, so yeah, so, so that's, that's, um, I mean, I could go into this into a hugely deeper level, but just based on opinion. Um, but that's what I think the difference between education and learning is. Um, some people do sometimes say that they're uh, interchangeable. And some people actually think education and learning, the way I've described this, is, is the other way around. But that's what makes discussion interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Was, like, it's subject, subjective for them. Like, or, or, like everything is subjective. Because, exactly. Yeah. The definition is gonna, not, not going to match. What? How do you know, like, what's right for you and what's right for him? Right. Yeah. If someone else is colorblind, then, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's a whole mess. This is blue. No, that's green. Okay. Fine. Yeah. And for them, like, education is, uh, like, education taught them, like, green is red or, like, green is blue. And mm -hmm. so they grow up learning, like, learning, like, getting educated this topic that this is green all the way through or the other way around yep 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 and then learning i suppose would be again if they move somewhere else and the general kind of uh consensus would be that no this is blue so that thing that you knew is green to be blue you're just like so so this gets okay i'm trying not to but it's it's actually ah oh, i love this topic so much so the only problem there comes in where, you know, if something is, is a definitive thing 
and a group of people are just saying that something's wrong in, in a wrong way, it begs the question of like, oh, so how do you manage this, right? So if I, okay, if I have this, this is, this is a watch, believe it or not. So I have a wristwatch, okay? And someone was raised to understand that this is a banana, okay? <laughs> just, just for the sake of it, right? The entire, their entire life, they know that this is a banana. Um, and then they come here and they're just like, oh, that's a nice banana you have. I'm just like, this is a watch. And they're like, no, 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 it's a banana. I've seen those. Like at home, my grandmother has a whole bunch of them. We, we call them bananas. And I'm like, okay. I understand what you're saying. And this is just a commute. This is a, a language kind of augmentation that has happened. So how do you manage it? Do you reject their reality? and tell them that you are wrong, this is a watch and that's the end of story. Or you'd be like, hey, you know, at home you may call them bananas, but over here we call them watches, you know? And if you want people to understand what you're talking about, you might need to just call it that, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah, that, that's, uh, that can span off into very, very many different topics, but I'm gonna keep quiet. Yeah, that's okay, that's okay. So like two, like two examples came to my mind, so like, uh, these two, like, there are two words that, like, it gets very, like, complex. So, like, very complicated, or let's say, like, these are two simple words. One is, like, terrific, and second is dope. Okay. So, yeah. So, like, for different, if, uh, if I say this thing is dope, many people will get offended by it. Like, I, like, because they think this as negatively, because dope has a negative meaning as well. But I'm using it as positive. Or whereas uh, people in Australia, so they use for dope as a positive affirmation, as well as terrific. So I'm not sure to where terrific is used as positive. Uh, I'm, I, I guess in the UK. Uh, yeah, in the UK, terrific yeah. is is a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah, but in like let's say in Bangladesh, if you say like this thing is terrific, and you say like what the heck are you talking about? Like. <laughs> Yeah. So, so that, over there, like that's a bad thing. Like terrific yeah. is like terrible kind of thing. Yeah, that's extremely bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm I, making a mental note of that because when I go over there, like <laughs> the, like being British, I'll be like, oh, that's terrific. And people be like, oh. <laughs> okay. Like like these are the words that are used every almost every single day by normal people in different parts of the world, and for them it's true. Like as you said, like what is a band? Is a band? Is a watch it for them? It's true, like on their side of the world. But when you just come together, no, this is not watch. This is a banana. Like this thing happens. <laughs> it's it's tricky. It's tricky for sure. But you know, it's when you when you when you're more open minded and more accepting to the um, fluidity of everything then life is a little bit easier to kind of just navigate. Cause if you have like, this is what I believe in and, and this is it and, and that's that and nothing can change. Like that's when you get just, there's a lot of problems unnecessarily. Whereas, you know, if you're just like, I have my opinions and my views on things and this person is saying other things. So I'm just gonna listen to them and I'm probably not gonna agree with them but at least I will have some understanding that at least if I come to someone else who has the same kind of opinion as this other person, maybe I can now communicate a little bit just to at least understand where they're coming from and still kind of have my understanding and, you know, kind of 
have a nice positive move forwards. And we have a like common ground, let's say. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Finding common, exactly. Finding common ground. Yeah. So, like one thing that came to my mind that I forgot just like in a in a second. Uh, that was let's let me think for one second. That was um I forgot already. Let let let's move on. <laughs> Don't you hate when that happens? An idea! Oh, poof, and it's gone. Oh, no. That happens all the time. It does. Yeah, so, like, that's the perfect thing, thing, thing to say, or, like, that's a perfect idea, and now it's gone in a second, yeah. But it also yeah. came in a second. So you, you don't remember a bit of it. That's it. Next time it happens, just be like, oh, I've got this thing, and I'll, and, and I'll shut up, and you can, you can say it. <laughs> Uh, no, 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 you're thinking that. Uh, so, so uh, what would you say, like, one trajectory in your life or, like, uh, one big loss in your life that changed your life? Ooh, well, um, mm. this could easily be another, like, 90 minutes, but I'll try and keep it as short as I can. Um, and I'm just going to put this here so people have space to kind of give themselves space if they need to from what I'm, I'm about to say, because I'm um, it's involving death, right? And it's involving family and it's mostly involving suicide. So there, I've given people space <laughs> to kind of like, if you don't want to listen to this part, then, you know, like skip forwards by about maybe 10 minutes or something. Um, so the most difficult thing I've had to deal with actually happened fairly recently in 2019 where uh, my mother committed suicide and um, she lived in the US. So I live in the UK, she lived in the US and both of us are from Kenya. So, you know, geography wise, that's a lot of mileage to kind of cover across um, three different locations. Um, because it's important, um, an important detail of my mother passing, she um, didn't go quietly in the sense of the classic ways that suicide are usually portrayed, um, she shot herself in the head with a gun that she's had. I have shot that gun um, at a firing range, not at anybody. <laughs> Although in America, you can never be too sure. Um, I've shot the gun at a firing range. I know the power of that gun. Um, it's a very powerful gun. I know how hard you have to squeeze the trigger for it to go off. Um, I had to use two fingers. So, you know, a lot of people are just like, yeah, you can like shoot like, no. A lot of guns, you can't actually shoot like that with a lot of guns. So this one, you had to use two two fingers um, to, to shoot it. So for my mom to do that was um, a very hugely committed action. Um, and I was in the UK. So that happened in May, 2019. Um, and even if you mentally prepare, like me and my mother weren't really on good terms anyway. Like we were on very, very shaky ground. Um, and probably about three years prior, my grandmother passed away, her mother passed away and we had a fight and it was, it was just a whole bunch of, of crazy drama, but we were kind of slowly but surely making amends. So when this happened, I, I had the shock, like the initial shock of learning a family member has passed away, whether it's by suicide or by natural slash unnatural means, it's always going to be a shock. It doesn't matter. I don't care who you are, unless that person has been woefully abusive to you to the point that you've literally disregarded them from your life. 
in that case, fine. If you're happy that they died, then <laughs> okay, I understand. But like, if you have even a, a a rocky connection with a family member and you hear of their passing, um, it shakes you to your core, you know. Um, so so having my mother commit suicide, um, it it I I would say it momentarily paralyzed me when I heard it down the phone. Then I heard it from my stepfather's daughter, so my stepsister, who is a year older than my mother because my stepfather is very old and he already had kids from another marriage and one of them was older than my mother. It, it's crazy. Um, but hearing that from her, you know, kind of just completely just, it, it just, it, everything just stopped. You know, it, it felt like forever. It probably was maybe like 30 seconds, but like it was, it was mad how it happened. Um, and looking back on that, you know, when these things happen, there's, there's, I always think there's maybe two different styles of people um, when it comes to these situations, especially around death, but especially around um, suicide bereavement, either from a sibling or a parent or someone very close by. So you either become the spearhead, you become the tip of a spearhead in, you know, the next steps going forward. So like you, you feel your emotions for a second, but then you block, you, you put it into a, a, a square, into a, into a box and you put it on a shelf because those emotions aren't serving you right now. And there's a lot of stuff that now needs to happen. So you're like, okay, I'm going to put this away and I'm going to, I'm going to, I have to go do, do, do work. Um, so that's one style of person. And then you have the other style of person who just completely breaks down because they know they have a network of people around them who will look after them. And they will, you know, they will be the collective net that will go forwards and kind of you know, do what needs to be done in that situation. And talking to people and understanding these two styles of people, when you look beyond who they are as a person, it actually kind of makes sense if you look at how they how they grow, grew up. So. I, I mentioned, you know, I, I moved to the UK um, at the age of 15. I was in boarding school. I had to fend for myself from a very young age. So I'm very much a spear, a tip of a spearhead kind of person. Um, I could never just sit and cry and not do anything about anything because <laughs> I, I don't understand that. Like I'm jealous of people who can sit and feel their emotions, whereas I'm not, I put them in boxes and put them on the shelf. I'm like I can't deal with this now, I have work to do. So um, dealing with my mother's suicide, that's what I had to do is I knew being the eldest daughter, I had a lot of work ahead of me. And sure enough, you know, I, I told my uncle who was his uh, younger sister, I told a couple of other people and everyone's like, okay, what are you doing next? And I'm like, give me five minutes. I, I just need to think of what's going on. So already I knew people were already going to ask me, what are you going to do? Um, other than saying, how can I help? Which is interesting because people already put you in that position of you are the, the head of the spear. So you go do the things as opposed to let me look after you, you know, that that's family dynamics. So having to fly 4,000 miles over um, into America. And I've, I only lived in America when I was four years old for like 10 months. So like, I, I don't really know America and, and, you know, their systems, but I learned very quickly. Um, and dealing with having to collect a body. I know that's a very cool thing to say. There is no field manual. There's no, this is how you collect your family member and take them home 101. Right. So I kind of played it by ear and I was like, okay, what's the next logical step? What's the next logical step? What would, what, what needs to be done? You know, just always trying to search, 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 search. Um, 
And I, I, I figured it out. I got there, you know, I had to go claim the body. I had to go do a, a death report at police station. Um, had to go to crematorium to go get her cremated because that was her request. Um, because I was traveling back to Kenya, I asked about travel documents for ashes. That's a thing. You do need travel documentation for a box of ashes because people, if there's not certain things on the box and not certain certificates with that box, they will assume it's drugs and they'll just open it up. And I, I don't know about you, but I, I don't particularly want one of my parents' ashes just to kind of fly around an airport. So, you know, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. By the way, dark humor is my, my um, managing, my coping mechanism. I use a lot of dark humor when it comes to death and stuff. So if you find yourself laughing at a few things I'm saying, it's okay. It's deliberate because that's what I'm doing. So, yeah, so just figuring out all of these things step by step, like it's just always asking yourself, what's next? What's next? How do I do this? How do I do that? Which encourages your brain to actually do the searching for you. Like subconsciously, there's this, you know, conscious and subconscious existence. And if you give your, your subconscious permission to actually, you know, um, go and do the searching for you, then you'll be surprised how much stuff just kind of pops up into your head. And you're just like, oh, I should, I should, I should look for this or, oh, I should look for that or, you know, those kind of things. It does happen, I promise. Because that's what happened to me this entire time. <laughs> um, so yeah, so, so the American side of things was, was really trialing. I was out in the States for a, a month because I had to go to my mother's apartment and deal with all of that. You know, there's this apartment full of her stuff, which was an emotional nightmare you know, sitting on your own in your mother's space where there's memories of you and her everywhere. Um, there's written things here and there and, you know, past presents that she was going to send you, but she forgot to and just, just all that kind of stuff. It's, just, it's really, really painful to deal with. Um, but then on the flip side, coming back home to Kenya is quite interesting because I don't know, I know a lot of people in the Western world, funerals and stuff are very sad affairs, right? And they last one, maybe two days. And it's just sad, 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 sad. In Kenya, it's not sad. Like, it is exactly the opposite. And it lasts weeks, depending on how important a person you are. My grandmother's was about two weeks. My mom's was about four days. But still, um, evenings of dancing, of celebration, people are walking miles, okay? In Kenya, like, you know, you don't just drive over somewhere. People will literally walk for two days to come and pay their respects, you know, give their condolences. We feed them. So we have a huge, you know, kind of gathering where people eat food and stuff. Um, and the tribal aspect in Kenya still is very prevalent, even with Christian funerals. So um, with the tribe, uh, I let my uncle deal with this because I didn't want to, I, I'm like, I'm female, again, these limitations, I'm female. And in Kenya, there's still this kind of weird class system where like females are like second class citizens to, to men, especially in like tribal sp spaces. And then we've got the village elders, like I think 13 village elderly men, no women, just men who kind of have the say over whether they will allow something or disallow something. So I tell my uncle, I'm like, you go deal with that. He's just like, do you not want to? I'm like, mm, I don't even want them to know I exist <laughs> because I don't, I don't need them talking to me. A in Swahili because I, I can't speak Swahili anymore. I've lost the ability to. I understand it a little bit because that will further undermine the entire conversation. I don't want to be a distraction. Like you have to go in there and, and do it. So he did, and it took him two weeks. 
to discuss allowing my mother to be buried in the family burial ground. It's like, it's ours, but we still need to get the village elders to approve it. And there's three things that uh, my tribe um, doesn't agree in, and that is uh, suicide, cremation, and divorce. So my mom was divorced uh, from my father when I was 14, 13. Um, she com committed suicide and she got cremated. So my uncle was dealing with a holy trifecta of just like, no, he had, he had to really, really convince them, but he did. Um, and it took two weeks. So, um, yeah, what's after that, like, you know, oh, what's Kumitra? Hmm? Like, what's Kumitra? Like, uh, that's what's what? Kumitra? That said, uh, uh, what the tribe that I'm in? Uh, no, that is said, like, uh, there are three, three rules that like you yeah. cannot break. Uh, one is like suicide and is divorce and third is Kumitra. Oh, cremation. Oh, cremation. What's yeah, cremation? so cremation is is when a body is burned down into ashes. Oh, oh. So, uh -huh. yeah, yeah, no, it's it's cool. Don't worry, like like it's it's not really a common thing, but um, yeah, the the I, like my mom's last request was um to be cremated. Um, an interesting thing with that word is depending on where you are in the world, that that word is said slightly differently. Um, so I'm, I'm very aware, like the way I say it, I don't know if it's the British way or the American way, but yeah, there's always, a, there's always like, what are you saying? And I'm like, oh, I, I, I'm maybe saying it a bit wrong, but yeah, um, it's reducing a body down into, into, um, yeah, ashes. So yeah, so that's, you know, burning of bodies, uh, is not a, um, a thing that is approved in the tribe <laughs> that I'm in, um, they, they, you know, they require whole body to be buried in the ground, um, which is weird because they bury bodies in concrete boxes. So I'm just like, how about you save yourself the cement? And I put her in a biodegradable urn with a, a tree plant in it. So then she grows into a tree. Like, that's better. That That's that's feeding the earth rather than like poisoning it with all these cement boxes. But that's that's another conversation. Um and yeah, so she, so she got buried, um, and that was probably the easier side, just, just realizing that there's a lot of family, even though I'm miles away from them for so long, there's still family there to support me. Um, so yeah, that, that was probably the most um, painful and st steepest learning, <laughs> I wouldn't say education, huge learning curve um, for me. It absolutely is, because yeah, as you said, like a little, like if a close family member goes away, even if it's he's he or she is not that close, it is painful. Hmm. Yeah, it is. And the biggest loss is like let's say, uh, like on on our emotional side, because. I, I'm not, I don't have the best words to describe it because, yeah, I, I'm not even an emotional person as well that much. It's fair. I mean, it, it happens. Like, it, it, there's not really words to explain, like, the feelings that happen because I don't mm. even think the emotions that come out are so primitive, you know, because as, as humans, uh, depending on whether you believe in evolution theory or not, um, you know, 
we express through movement first. And, you know, the words that we're using to communicate came way, 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 way later, you know? Mm. So the kind of like, if someone tells you something and you get this kind of weird, just like very instant feeling of movement that just comes out of your body, like to the point where you're sweating and your heart rate goes up and, and, you know, you're, you're breathing really, really fast. Like that will happen way before words come out of your mouth, you know? Um, and it, if you can't put words to that, that's totally fine because there's a lot of things that we do that don't have words. All we do is describe what our body is doing. You know, if you're scared, right? We have scared, we're shaking, but shaking can also mean cold. Shaking can also mean tired. You know, shaking can mean hungry. <laughs> some of those emotions and some of those are states, you know? So it's, yeah, the, the kind of trying to describe emotions, I think. Um, I realize people try to do it a lot, but at the same time, I'm like, nah, just, it's a feeling like emotions are mostly feelings and that's totally fine. Yeah, absolutely. Emotion, like what's you like, what's the difference between emotion and feelings? Like that's the same thing, isn't it? There, um, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's a very, very, very small nuance kind of difference between emotions and feelings. Um, and I think it does kind of, I mean, when you say it, I am feeling this, you know, I am feeling that I'm feeling angry um, versus I am angry. You know, if I say I'm angry, the embodiment is maybe I'm sweating a little bit, maybe, maybe I'm shaking a little bit, maybe my skin color has changed a little bit. Um, my ability to speak words is limited because, you know, my primal brain is going must do whatever because of anger. Um, so I am angry versus I'm feeling angry could be a descriptor of like, I'm observing these physical traits that are happening. And I am associating that with a feeling of what anger would be, you know, to try and it, it's, it's like, I, I agree with you. It, it's kind of the same, but there's just such a tiny thing that just, just pulls it apart to be different. Um, um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting topic. Yeah, and uh, like today, like uh, it's very unfortunate that we have to limit the time because yeah, yeah it's getting pretty long. And yeah, <laughs> like yeah, this is a very interesting topic we are talking about. Like very diverse. Each each topic we can go like for ninety minutes or like more than that on each topic, but. We have limited <laughs> We've got to stop somewhere. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So before you go, so any last words that you want to share? Um, yeah, just just for people out there, like it's it's really important to to be to be brave to fail. Um, you know, whatever you're doing, whether you're kind of doing education things and studying, or you, you've got a job and you know you're going through that. Um, whatever you're doing, it's, it's important to be okay with failing. Cause you know, you only grow when you fail. Um, if you just focus on succeeding all the time, then you kind of get stuck and you become very, very safe and very confined in that space of, of success. Um, and you only grow when you fail. Um, you won't, you won't die <laughs> as long as you're doing stuff that is safe. Like you kind of, you know, you, you, you check, um, what you're doing is relatively safe. You look at like, if I fail, what will happen? Oh, you know, you didn't get that job. Okay, cool. 
or the the business didn't work out. Okay, cool. So you can go do something else. Um, don't kind of start planning things like, oh, if I step off this ledge, we're like, no, no, don't do that. Okay, don't step off ledges that are dangerous. <laughs> Just you know, kind of assess, do, do a risk assessment. Um, yeah, I think that's the most important thing to do because we only have one life to live uh, for the most part, and it's really, really important that we we do stuff that we want to try and do. Um, because no one gets out of this alive. No one, no one lives forever. Exactly. And we have to stay, try to stay on the positive side. We, yeah, we, we, there will be negativity. And we have to try to be as patient and positive as we can. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So where can our, can our listeners find you, online or offline? Um, so online, there's a there's a few places. If you, um, I actually talk about the subjects that we've spoken about today in my own podcast show. Um, it's called Getting Shiggy With. Um, so my name is Shiggy S H I G G I. So Getting Shiggy With, um, and the episodes are you know anywhere from half an hour to maybe an hour and a half long, depending on on what they are. Um, and you can find me anywhere, iTunes, Spotify, Google, Amazon, uh, wherever, just put, you know, getting shiggy with and, and I'll pop up. Um, if you want a central space for all of the, the things that I do, shiggy.co.uk is my personal kind of just space on the internet where I just post stuff up. If you want to find me on Instagram, I'm L Shig. So you just put E-L-S-H-I-G into the search and the first one that pops up. Same on Twitter, exactly the same handle on Twitter. Um, and if you want to like look into the business stuff that I do, um, audiofi.me, so not audiofi.com, that's a different company that does a similar thing to me, um, but audiofi.me, so A-U-D-I-O-F-Y.me um, is where I, I uh, have my business and I do audio production of uh, audiobooks and podcasts. And uh, we do some experimental stuff with voice AI and um, audio social networks as well. Yeah, amazing. Uh, yeah, so that's the end, in the end of our conversation. And so I'm very like happy to have you as my guest. And thank you. Yeah, so I'm very sure like people got value out of it because I'm I I don't know why I use value so much like. And on every on at the end of every podcast, I'm I don't know like this is the thing like people got value out of it, but yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So what like what do you say to like after our conversation? What do people get? Um, I I'd like to think um, a couple of summarizing things from our our conversation is you know. Um, technology is is expanding a lot um globally and you don't need to have a lot of high-tech stuff to get started um if you want to do something that's more about like what you want to do um moving forwards um education systems you need to start asking questions <laughs> i'm not even going to go into that because we'll end up here being here for like another <laughs> like two hours uh, the education system just just look at it and just be like eh. Is, is, is this where I want to go? Is this where I want my child to go? Like is what is going forwards? Look further ahead by at least, you know, five, 10 years and just be like, is this gonna work? Um, when it comes to family members, like if, you, if you're the tip of the spear or whether you're one of the people that needs to be kind of collected by other people, 
uh, to move forwards, that's fine. And it's really, really important to realize you're not an island, right? Regardless of, of where you are, who you are, what you're doing, even if you're 5,000 miles away from the rest of your family for 20 years, you're still not an island. Um, and yeah, you know, there's cultural differences around the world and it's really, really important just to be patient and have um, the ability to have common ground with everybody. I think that's everything. Yeah, really. So to summarize it in three, three sentences, I'd say, uh, so I'm pretty sure people will get proper direction about uh, what could like uh, to know what to know that uh, the to ask the right questions. And they say that cultural differences and you're not on an island because there, there are people and who are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's it for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm pretty sure people got uh, understood this, <laughs> these things. And yeah, again, thanks again for ha coming on the show. And thanks for the listeners who listened to this. And that's how you ended. <laughs>